Welcome to the Fit Mind Project. One of the hardest words to say is help. Whatever the reason, embarrassment, weakness, shyness, or just vulnerability. But we all need to be able to say this word. If this resonates with you, then you'll love this episode of the Fit Mind Project, as we have a special guest today to talk all things vulnerability and the importance of asking for help. We're going to find out why we find it so hard to ask for help. We're going to learn how to speak up and ask for help too. And I'm sure Andy will share some top tips on how to feel empowered so we can actually ask for that support we need. Andy is a true expert in this field of human relations. With his forthcoming book, Just Ask, all about the importance of seeking help and support. Andy was labelled Mr. Network by The Sun. Andy was also called one of Europe's leading business network strategists by the Financial Times and a true master of networking by The Independent. So let's get straight to it. I'm going to introduce you to Andy Lapata. morning beautiful people it is monday another day in quarantine quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) um i hope that you guys had a great weekend um chilling out and doing whatever it is you do on the weekends i know we definitely did great weekend um and this morning for this week we are kicking off with one heck of a talk and one heck of a guest as well. We are with a massive topic, I think. Huge, huge topic. I know so many people are going to get so much from this. So um, I think we're just going to kick. Let's get straight, let's get straight into, into it. So, guys, today we are really lucky because we are joined by a very good friend and also an expert in his field as well. And also, I'm loving his t-shirt. Um, <laughs> one just for you. Yeah, it's a little like Superman, but with an A in it. You'll get it soon. Um, So today, guys, we're joined by Andy Lapata, who we've just found out is Ukrainian, kind of that little bit is Russian-Ukrainian, which is interesting, his last name. Um, And today, Andy has um, agreed to come on and talk to us about the subject of vulnerability and asking for help. Now, the reason Andy is such an expert on this is because he um, is in the midst of writing a book at the moment called Just Ask, um, and it is going to be out later on this year, maybe the beginning of next year, but we're going to hold it to him that he brings it out end of this year. Um, <laughs> he's an international speaker, author, and he is an expert in professional relationships, um, and that is why we thought he would be amazing to come and talk about this today. So I'm going to start waffling on and I'm going to hand over to Andy um, and you know just kick this off about vulnerability and asking for help Um, and I know that you kind of approached us we kind of met mutually about this didn't we about this topic yeah well good good morning first of all and thanks for inviting me to to chat about this Um, I, I, I find a lot of people um 
have the same concerns and it's obviously this has been a five-year project for me and what's been interesting for me to see is how over the last five years it's there's become an an increasing awareness and a willingness to talk about vulnerability um brene brown's um ted talk and books um have obviously had a big impact the work of prince william and prince harry uh, in talking about their own experiences uh, has had a huge impact in that time as well so it's really come to the fore and made a difference so i'm having a lot of conversations like the one uh, the ones that we've had um where people are saying yeah i i'm I, everything's not perfect and and that's really what i want to encourage uh, is to get people sort of more comfortable talking about it yeah, because I think, you know, there is, as you say, especially now, I know there's like, you know, we're talking about, talk about it, you know, it's really good to talk about things, mental health struggles, that sort of thing. But there is still a tiny stigma, I think, attached to asking for help. I don't know whether that's a British thing or whether that's something, you know, everywhere. But, you know, you've studied, you say you've studied this for five years. That's, uh, that's, that's a lot of study on the project. Well, well it's been a five-year project for me. Um, and, and just on, on one of the points you mentioned in, in terms of is it a British thing, uh, one of the chapters in the book is about cultural differences in vulnerability. You know, I interview people all over the world. So in that chapter, we've got people from India, from Siberia, from Russia, from Israel, from America, from Australia, you know, all talking about their culture and, and and actually one of the the most interesting comments comes from someone from england um from the north of england talking about the difference between the north and the south really? so you've 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 even got differences inside countries and actually um the the um ceo of the nigerian stock exchange was one of the people that i interviewed and uh he said to me you know you can't sort of talk about africa and the african approach even within a country you've got differences um and i found a lot of people commented about that and it's so easy to fall into that trap of saying it's a british thing um i think it's an individual thing and a personal thing um but what happened with me is um I was going through a, a difficult time in my business and I'm a member of the professional speaking association. That's my tribe. That's my community. Yeah. And, and I found myself going to PSA meetings and people were saying, how's business? And I was going, yeah, it's great. It's fine. And I went to one event in, in uh, Reading and the speaker was running a workshop at the beginning and he gave us, um, a two or three page exercise to do where we answered several questions. And one of them was, how would you describe, well, they were actually two separate but similar questions. How would you describe your speaking business and how would you describe your non-speaking business? Because some people have both. Mm. And there were, it was like multiple choice. So the options were um, grow, growing, stable, uh, new or in decline. And everyone filled them out and then he got everyone to put their hands up for what they ticked and when he said um growing people's hands went up and when he said stable people's hands went up and when people said when he said new people's hands went up but when he said in decline not one single hand in the room went up really including mine and my business was really struggling at the time wow uh, 
and and I, that was the moment for me. It, it was just that moment of recognition of, well, this, I, you know, I call this group my community, my tribe. If I'm not being honest with them, then who can I be honest with? And and if I'm not honest with them, how can they help and support me? So that was the start of the journey. Um, and, and a few months later, I made a commitment to get through this. And what was really interesting is a few weeks later, I bumped into another speaker, a, a private members club in London. And um, uh, Derry said, how's business? And I said, that's rubbish at the moment. And, and he said, oh, I didn't know. How can I help? And I got two referrals from him in the next two weeks. He'd never referred me before because he hadn't thought I needed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that need to open up is key. But I made a commitment to to myself that when I'd got through it, because I think you need to have the 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 fairy tale ending, if you like, when you tell a story. When I'd got through it, I would share with that community at our annual convention this message. Originally, it was called "Bigger Than You," as in you know you are bigger than yourself. This whole community around you makes you bigger than you, just you. And I delivered that talk in 2016, October 2016. And um, about four, five, six months earlier, someone I knew who had been a member of that tribe uh, had, had killed himself. And it was because of money problems and no one knew. Wow. And so it really made it personal and, you know, even more so made it resonate. So it's a really important topic, but it, it's been a long time in, in you know, I've, I probably interviewed over, I don't know how many people, 50, 60, 70 people around the world for the book, which is why it's taken such a long time to put together, put that all together into a, a, you know, a book that reads well um, and got a lot of, lot of fascinating stories and a lot of perspective on it. Is there a, is there a different split between, you know, you say different nationalities and different in, um, in the same country is different splits. What about male and female? Is there a different splits in between them as well? And age as well. Yeah. 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 Men, they, we don't like talking, do we, us men? Yeah. But women, they like to express how they're feeling. So I was wondering if there's a... Yeah. They, they, those are two other chapters in the book, the, 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 <laughs> the gender differences and the, and the age differences. For the, on the gender point, I... I I read in um, th there's sort of different layers to this because there is is there a difference between men and women in sharing, um, and a lot of that is societal. So if you go to a, a country with a very paternalistic culture, and India is one of the examples in the book, it, it, where the man is seen as the head of the family and strong anchor of the family, if you like, then it's very difficult for men to share. Um, uh, having said that it's probably a lot easier for a man to share in a corporate male environment than it is for a woman because a woman in that environment feels the need to, to seem stronger than she actually is. So there's context that comes into it as well. I didn't find black and white answers to these questions. I'll be honest. There's a lot of nuance uh, in all of these questions. Um, one of the questions I wanted to look at, I'd read Hillary Clinton's book on what went wrong in, in the 2016 election. And in there, she said that she found it a lot easier to open up to other women um, than, than uh, to men. And so there are a few people that I've asked about that. And there is, there is a pattern of women sharing with women and men sharing with men. I personally, I probably find it easier to share with women than men. I think women are more empathetic naturally. Mm -hmm. um, but I, um, I interviewed 
Luke Ambler, who's a former um, rugby league international, uh, who who uh, retired at the age of 28, top of his career, because his his brother had committed suicide, and he wanted to commit himself predominantly to campaigning for male mental health and suicide awareness. And he started something named Andy's Man Club after his brother, not me, I should hasten to say. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's for men, I, I, th- I think it's that sort of 20 to 40 age range yeah. um, who will get together and share. And it, he was saying that the first couple of meetings men come to, they will stare at the floor and, and at their feet and other people's feet. And then as, as they understand there are other people around them who have experienced the same um, the same challenges, the same feelings, they open up. And actually, I think I finished that chapter with that it's not a gender thing, it's about finding people who have got something in common. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, um, the, the, the age differences, yeah. I, I, I devoted the chapter on, on age difference to an interview with my niece, who's 21, yeah. uh, doing her undergraduate degree. And at the time, she uh, was doing a project on is this the loneliest generation ever? And a lot of the focus there is on social perfectionism uh, and the need to be perfect in every way. Um, and there's been a lot of news stories about increased uh, suicide rates amongst very young people. Yeah. I think part of that is down to cyberbullying. Uh, and, the, the, you, know, you know, I got bullied heavily as a kid, but, you know, I can't imagine what it would have been like if Facebook and WhatsApp and everything else had been around. Um, but the other part of it is social perfectionism and the need to be perfect. And we've always been surrounded by role models that we're supposed to measure ourselves against, and they're almost always at unattainable levels for, for, for most of us. Um, but now we're seeing them in so many more dimensions, and all of them are perfect. Mm. Um, and so that drives a big challenge as well. So uh, it's interesting because um, younger generations, and it's, it's Gen Z more than millennial, mm. um, if I'm getting my generations right, um, it, because they're always on their phones, it's easy to think that they're communicating more than we ever did, but it's not real communication. You know, one of the things my niece said was that younger people find it harder to have a conversation because in the conversation, in a live conversation, you don't get the chance to look at what you've just said and go back a few spaces and change it. Um, And you can't use emojis and so forth. So the conversations they have on on text and chat aren't real because they're not real time. Yeah. And and I think that takes away a lot of authenticity as well. We spoke to a, a guy, I can't remember his name now. Nick Loomy. Nick Loomy. I don't know if you know him, but he was, no. he'd, done a, he'd done a big talk on it and he was talking about we have transactions now, not communication. It's all about a transaction, a thumbs up, a smiley face. Yeah. And you can read whatever you want to read into those, but when you have a conversation, it's two ways, isn't it? I give to you, you yeah. give back to me. Yeah, but you can see someone's body language as well, can't yeah. you? Well, I, I was saying to you before we went live that I've upset two people in the last few days two people i care about and and both are because they're on chat they're on text um and they've there's been a subtext that they've been struggling yeah and because i've been transactional in my mind because i've been quite stressed about what i've reached out to them for i've not really picked up the level of subtext the level of nuance in the chat and i've not acknowledged it so they've got upset because they see me as a hopefully a caring person and i'm not showing 
that I care because in the text, I, you know, I tend to be, I'm not a massive texter. Um, and so you lose that real life connection. Um, so yeah, it is, it's very difficult. So like, obviously everything that's going on at the moment with the coronavirus, I think, why do you feel right now this subject is more important than ever for people that are struggling not sharing, no, finding it difficult. Why is it so important right now? Well, we it's one very simple reason is that we've got more time with our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, everyone's different. I, you know, if you live alone like me, then it, 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 it can be very tough. It, it could be very nice as well because <laughs> I, I can watch what I want and do what I want and I'm not getting under anyone's <laughs> shoes. But, you know, you, you're left alone with your own thoughts a hell of a lot more so people who might be more vulnerable and who don't like that um social isolation anyway um will be struggling with that um extroverts who draw their energy from being around other people are going to find those energy levels are dipping and then they're going to be struggling so i think there's that issue as well um and plus on top of that we're having our normal lives just shaken up uh and our normal schedules shaken up and and there's there's a couple of impacts of that number one is if you are a person who likes structure who knows what they're doing then you know every day blending into the other becomes very difficult particularly if you can't work you can't do your job from home and you're not a key worker i mean i'm finding i'm going bored out of my mind at the weekends but i've busy during the weeks and i could work at the weekends but i choose not to because otherwise i'm just going to get swamped by it um but not everyone has that option and and if i'm getting that bored during the weekends then what's it like when it's just week after week after week um so there's that element there's the financial security element that's going to exacerbate everyone's concerns and worries as well um there's the element of worrying about um friends and family who are in at risk groups so you know my parents are, are, are in a vulnerable group and i can't go and you know i go around but i have to stand well away from them and i limit how much i go around and that's tough uh and i guess my biggest concern is worrying about them and and, and their mindset and how they're coping rather than anything else but we have a lot of things that can create worry uh, and if we don't have the social environment where we can we feel that we can vent um, and we've already talked about the difficulties of doing this by chat uh, where you miss the nuance you know if, if I'd have been with those two people in person and we'd have had the same conversations the outcome would have been different because I would have picked up that something was wrong um, and if that's not available to us in the same way then you know this becomes more and more of an issue and I know like for us, you know, um, within 365, which is our membership group, we are always open in there. We're like, right, guys, uh, what's the traffic lights today? Red, amber, green. Who's yeah. in red, you know, uh, especially when we do our connection calls where we actually get to see them on a Zoom. We're like, right, just talk. Just yeah. tell us what's going on, um, you know, because, you know, we do sit and we do fester even 
without this you know I know a lot of our clients before they come to us are sat and they're ashamed to ask for help which I know we're going to go in into all of mm. this but they're ashamed to ask for help they think well I've got myself in this situation I should be able to get myself out you know and it, it can be really difficult and even knowing what to say I think that's um, the hard bit knowing how to start that conversation I need help yeah. I think that's a really hard bit and the, the other part of it is the you know, we were talking about text chat. Every text, every email I get says, how are you? But the trouble is it almost becomes um, a a, a muscle response. You know, in the book I talk about, you know, how we're conditioned to say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. In the the 80s and 90s, we were all told by Americans, don't say I'm okay. Say I'm great, I'm fantastic. No one ever said tell the truth. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and, and actually, I do tend to disregard those because I just feel you're just saying that you're not, you know, a lot of the time, not all the time, but you don't mean it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Ivan Meisner, so you might have come across BNI, which is the, the yes. breakfast networking group. So Ivan was the founder of BNI. And Ivan in the book talks about semantic differential questioning. Okay. And so what semantic differential questioning is, is I say to you, how are you? And you say, yeah, I'm good, thanks. And I say, yeah, but how are you really? Yeah. You say, no, no, things are good. So what's happening in your life? So you, you ask three times to yeah. just encourage people to really open up. Yeah. And I think we need a little bit more like that, but a little bit more clearly uh, authentic asking of that question. And I'm not saying that, you know, people who are saying, how are you, don't mean it. Some do, some don't. And that's the trouble. We can't always tell the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. It's just kind of like a thing that you say, isn't it? If all of us do it. Mm. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. It, it, yeah. Even if you think about it now, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't yeah. it? It really yeah. does. Um, so I know when we put out this and said that you were coming on, uh, there was a little conversation that you had with somebody, um, and you said there are three things as to why we find it difficult to ask for help. Do you want to can – we, can we know what these three things are? <laughs> well, actually, the reason was because she said in her comment that I, she said, I often find that I, I feel like I'm being a burden. Um, and I said that's number one um, the, the, the first reason why we don't ask for help is that we feel like we'll be a burden to, to other people if we do ask for help yeah. um, and and the way I address this is is I ask the question have you helped someone recently can you think of someone that you've helped in your personal or professional network where it's worked out yeah how did it make you feel and very few people will answer that by saying well I hated it you know, it was a real burden. Uh, people would say, oh, I felt really good. I felt great. Yeah. Oh, I felt useful. I felt helpful. You know, it's, it's 99% positives. Uh, so there's two things happening there. Number one is there's a disconnect. We don't ask people for help because we're worried about being a burden to them. And yet, when we help other people, we get pleasure from it. Mm-hmm. So as long as we're thinking of the right people, you know, people who we've got a strong established relationship with, not a stranger on the street. They're not saying, go up to a stranger on the street and saying, uh, I want to give you pleasure, can you help me? You yeah. know, that's not, not, not the advice here. But to someone we, we know and trust, we, we're denying them pleasure by not asking them for help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 
it, it's it's about refra- you know reframing that in your mind and, and understanding how other people uh, feel the second part of it is i said 99 percent of it's positive there's going to be a percent that isn't because it is a burden and there's a very simple reason it is a burden it's because you're not making it easy for people to help you your number one job is to make it easy for people to help you <laughs> simplest example of that is um how can i help you oh introduce me to anyone you know who might you know benefit from what i do i'll getting the other person to do all of the work on your behalf you know if you need help from someone guide them to the help that you need make it easy for them to deliver make tailor it to what they're good at or who they know or what they can offer and be really clear about the help you're asking for if you do that then you're not going to be a burden because you're making it really easy for them to deliver so that's number one is being a burden the second reason we don't ask for help is because we don't want to look weak we don't want to look vulnerable you know i worry what people are going to think about me if i do this well you know let's let's use this as an as an example let's let's take two different scenarios scenario number one Nora Barry, I mean, look, I really need your help. Um, my business is going to the wall um, because my last five clients have all um, sacked me because I haven't been able to deliver the goods. Um, I keep falling out with my clients, arguing with them all the time, and my business is going to go bust if I don't get more clients soon. Can you can you help me? Mm. It sounds pretty weak and vulnerable, don't I? And by the way, don't record that and play that out of context. <laughs> um, but then the, the second scenario is guys um i wonder if you can help me i've just been working with a few clients well let's let's take you guys as an example let's reposition this so it's you guys we've just had a number of people come through um it's the f90 program um a number of people come through the f90 they loved it uh really really great results they feel completely transformed we're running a new program um, we're looking to get 10 people onto it and I want to get the word out there. I know you understand how good we are. Can you help me just spread the word? Mm. Does that sound weak and vulnerable? Not no. at all. No, Not at all. no. So, so it's how you position it. It's how you yeah. position that help. The other thing I would say on vulnerability is my advice. The book's called Just Ask, but it isn't Just Ask Anyone. Um, so it's about having a trusted network of people that you can be vulnerable with that you can say i don't know i'm struggling i'm not coping Uh, and you don't necessarily portray that image to the world there's a couple of chapters that look at um, social media and social media use and where's the line and there's different schools of thought Um, but there are people that have gone on social media and bared everything um there are others that don't share anything anywhere my personal preference i don't tend to expose all my doubts and worries on social media but but i will in conversation with people i trust so it's finding that trusted network with whom you can be vulnerable without fear of being judged um so you you deal with it that way so that's worried about being a burden worried about looking vulnerable and the third is that we just assume we assume that people won't want to help us can't help us um you know we make them their minds up for them and that's not our job our job is to ask people for the support we think they can offer and not take it personally if they say no there are countless reasons why people might not be able to help you you are only one of them and you're you know if you're asking the right people you're probably uh, one of the least important reasons why they would say no 
so make it easy for people to say no and and let it bounce off you don't take it as a rejection but understand that there may be different reasons why don't assume let people say no that's fine um but i can pretty much guarantee that if you don't tell them what you're looking for and the help you need it, it's going to be much harder for them to offer it i mean it, i can hit, i mean every single one you've hit there for me definitely 100%. and i know uh, some of the guys here is then they've thought about that but like i know for us specifically you know people will come to us because they want to lose weight or you know they're not happy or whatever yeah so as you say it, it, making it easy within that look i'm really struggling with my weight i've been doing this for years da, 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 and it's like making it specific making it easy for us then to help them yeah um and you know it's almost like when you said about feeling weak i think it's that's when you want to lose weight or you know you're an emotional eater or something like that i'm just trying to think about you know our guys and it's like there's so many personal trainers out there's so many coaches out there and you've got this whole thing i think as well of well nothing's worked before so i'm kind of useless and i'm never going to be able to get the help and i think this fear of being judged because you see somebody and you think oh my god they're doing amazingly and they do really well you almost feel scared to approach them in case yeah. they judge you you know yes um and that that also comes under the assumption because yeah. you don't know how they're going to respond oh. and, and ultimately if someone judges you adversely whose problem is that well yeah that's their problem isn't it's it? their problem you know if you've done nothing you know if either they're judging you just on the 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 upper level the out the outer layer they can see and they don't know the context then that's their problem not yours uh, and you know maybe you're better off finding that out sooner there is also um you know barry you mentioned earlier the you know is it a british thing something that i think is a british thing is how we judge failure you know there's a saying that in america you're not you, you've never made it in business till you've been bankrupt three times really yeah 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 that's why do you think that donald trump's president he's been bankrupt more often than anyone else <laughs> um but in in the uk as soon as you bankrupt you, you you failed um we learn from failure we don't learn as easily from success um so you know don't let people judge you let people work through it with you and, and let them learn from your failures as well embrace them i suppose you know, Oh, sorry, carry on, Andy. I was just going to say that the, the opening main chapter of the book is all about my failure with the book, why this didn't come out when it originally should have done, because I didn't get it right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've actually embraced failure from the very beginning. Yeah. And, you know, for people reading the book, I said, read on. This has been rubbish for the first three drafts. It's not been good enough. You know, but it's... it's. Um, I, I gave a talk. Um, sorry, I just hit my mic there. I, I gave a talk uh, a number of years ago, and it, it was a small talk. It was a talk I gave countless times over years. Um, but it sticks in my mind because the, the, the response to it from that audience was off the charts. It was so, uh, so powerful. And I, I, I knew why instantly. The talk was... Um, 
uh, split into three different topic areas and each topic area was illustrated with a story. Now my style is I've got a lot of stories I share very often there'll be similar ones on the talk but if something's in my mind that's what will come out when I deliver the talk. I don't script every presentation. I, I mind map them so I have a structure and then I can I can bring in more topical and more recent things. For whatever reason, it wasn't pre-planned. The three stories I shared during that talk were all about my failures. They were all, in a sense, self-deprecating. Mm -hmm. And the response from the audience was off the charts compared to normal. Mm. And I, th in the book, I talk about a study um, that Harvard Business School uh, carried out where they look at what they call benign against malicious envy. And they looked at how people responded um, to people who simply shared their successes or shared their successes with their failures along the way. And with people who simply shared their successes, there were high levels of malicious envy, malicious envy being uh, defined as, I want that person to fall. I want them to yeah. fail. Yeah, yeah. Where they had sh shared their successes but incorporated their failures along the way, there were high levels of benign envy, which was defined as, I want to be like you. Yeah. So actually we want um, – we tend to want to hear other people's failures. It brings them down to our level. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. You, you can relate to people then, can't you? Because yeah. we've all been through failure at some point in our life, whether it's asking the person out and being rejected, whether it's going for the job, being rejected. from it. And I think when we see the people on the pedestals, when we don't hear their, their um, failures, we think that's mm. unattainable to be there. But as soon yeah. as we hear their failures, we think, ah, I can actually raise myself to their level. I can actually do what they're doing. It gives you hope. It gives you a, a, a force to see that that is possible to be happy, healthy, whatever it is. So I think we need to all share that. Well, I always, yes. say, I always say to people, I don't stand or sit here today because of all the successes I've had in my life. I sit here today because of all the failures I've had in my life. Yeah. And all the times I've asked for help, even though it's been difficult sometimes, you know, my background, everyone here knows my background, you yeah. know, struggles with mental health and stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it is because of our failures. But the thing is, as you say, on social media, we never really see that. We just see people with, oh, you know, look at the big contract I've got or look at the amount of weight that I've yeah. lost or you know look at what I've overcome and it's like okay yeah but what did you do to get there there isn't a realistic um story behind it you just see that and you're exposed just to that you know yeah absolutely I, later today I'm, I'm I've got another interview on on this same topic uh, and this is for the association where it's the Association of Business Mentors and I delivered the first Just Ask presentation for them last April. And at the time we had a publication date of September last year. Um, so we are now six months beyond the original publication date. Um, a huge amount of enthusiasm from the presentation, not a pre-orders for the book um on amazon as a result of that presentation and a lot of people really looking forward to it and we agreed to do um an interview around september october as a follow-up um for their for their webinar series and at the time i said well 
you know, as it got closer to the time, I said, well, let's put it off until the book comes out because the whole point is to follow it up with the book. And then we got to, to the beginning of this year and, and the, the, the manuscript was rejected by the publisher for the third time. Um, it had to be rewritten again. And, and I said to the Association of Business Mentors, I said, let's do the interview anyway because my natural instinct as a human being who wants to be seen as successful is to say, well, we can't do the interview because we haven't got the book to show them, the finished product. Yeah. But actually, I realise this fits in with the whole topic. I need to do the interview to say it all went wrong and this is what happened and this is what I've learned from it. And yeah, I do hopefully have that positive outcome coming at the end. I still don't know. Um, you know, I'm still. You know, the book is rewritten. We're now looking at whether I stick with my original publisher or, or look at other options. Um, but it just felt right to go back and say, I'm sorry, I've, I got it wrong, I failed. Um, but this is what I've learned from it and what you can learn from the exercise as well. Um, so we're doing that, that interview today. Do you think that's the biggest thing we need to do is embrace our failures and saying, like, doesn't matter what the outcome's going to be, I just need help. Because I think that's the hardest part is actually going saying, and saying, um, acknowledging that you need help, mm or you, you feel vulnerable and you go and ask him for somebody. That, that are two things that I find really difficult, especially in my life. I need help, right, I'm going to take ownership of that, and now I've got to ask for someone to help me. Yeah. So what would you say would be the easiest things to get someone to help you out, to make that poor call? So, so the first part is, is um, do we learn, you know, do we learn from the failures? Do they help us on the journey? Um, we, we met through um, the, the Change Your Game Accelerator program that Baiju Solanke runs. Um, and as part of that accelerator, in my first coaching call with Baiju, um, uh, we agreed that I would run senior executive retreats uh, uh, as a core product. And it was something new for me. And Baiju said, set a date. And he said to me, it doesn't matter whether you achieve it on that date or not. He said, if you manage to fill it and you run it, that's a success. If you don't, we learn from why you don't, and that's a success. And actually, the retreats haven't run. They were going to run in May, and obviously that's not possible yeah, now. Exactly. But that was actually the third shift of date, which Baiju kept beating me up for. <laughs> um, but I have, you know, the fact that they were there has led me into conversations with people that have led me to develop other ideas, other products, including an ebook that's coming out at the end of May uh, that's designed to, 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 to help on that journey. So I needed the failures in place mm. in order to get to the point that I believe will, will, will take me to success. So we, we, need, we need those in place. We need to learn from them. And sorry, Barry, the, the sort of second part of your question was about how do we how do we actually position ourselves? Say, well, I need help. How can I go and ask somebody for help? It, yeah. takes, some, it takes some balls to actually do that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's well, mustering it up to say, help. <laughs> Number one, be clear about what help you need and what it's going to help you achieve and why that's important to you. If you can focus on what, you, what that help and support will enable you to do and how you will feel when you've got that help, then that makes it easier to ask for it it's, it's classic goal setting effectively yeah. um the second thing is to understand who in your 
in your circle is best place to give you that help. Now, again, another interesting fact is, are you best turning someone you really like and you know really well? Sometimes the best help comes from, from strangers. Yeah. There's a theory in, in recruitment known as Granovetta's theory of weak ties. It, it's from a, a socio sociologist called Mark Granovetta. And he, he looked at where job opportunities came from within networks. And he found that most opportunities came from what he called weak ties rather than strong ties, people you didn't know as well. And the reason for that, he said, was your strong ties know all the same people as you do. The weak ties open you up to new networks. And I wondered if there was a Laparta theory of weak ties when it came to vulnerability, because your strong ties know you, they think the same way as you potentially, um, you've heard what they think anyway in their input, weak ties will open up new ideas. That didn't quite pan out in the book. I, I do think that that's something always to consider and having um, cognitive diversity in your network. In other words, people who think differently. Uh, and I really recommend Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed as a book on that topic. Um, I, I think is essential. So opening yourself up to different ways of thinking, different yeah, types yeah. of ideas. Um, but one of the core themes of the book, whenever I asked a question about this, trying to come up with my Lepata's theory of weak ties, was people feel more confident sharing on the whole with people they know, like, and trust. Yes. So stage two is look to your, your circle, look to your network and say, who, who do I trust with this and who's got the, the relevant expertise, experience, mindset, yeah. connections, whatever it might be, uh, uh, who I can ask? And then what's stopping you? Is it worry about being a burden? Is it fear of looking vulnerable? Is it assumption? Mm -hmm. Understand what's stopping you and then use that understanding to get past it. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then ask. And I think, like you said here, when you ask for help, maybe in a different circle, it opens up to different ideas. Because I think sometimes, as you say, we just assume that, you know, we've tried everything especially obviously with our guys well i've tried everything i've, I've been i'm going to drop some names i've been to eight watch been to slimming world i've done you know the the program what what else can you kind of help me with but you never ever know what resources that other person's got you just don't know do you i run you haven't tried everything <laughs> I, I run, um, in, in one of the talks I deliver, I run mastermind, mini mastermind groups. These are five-minute breakouts where people have to solve a challenge. Yeah. And so many times I've had uh, my clients say to me, um, you know, the challenges that we face are very unique to our industry or they're very unique to our organisation. And they're the, when I do this mastermind breakout and I go around the room and I listen, they're the same challenges every time. Yeah. But if you have – so imagine a challenge yeah. and um, if, imagine that mastermind group is full of people in a, the property, a property company. And then the next week it's with people in an IT company. And the next week it's people with the fitness industry. <laughs> do you not think that you'll get different solutions? Because yeah. it's different ways of thinking, different experiences, different accepted wisdom. Mm -hmm. And you have to break through that. 
but I, I see that as well. If, we, if we've got a physiological <coughs> problem going on in our body, you go and see a surgeon, they want to cut you open. You want to go, you go and see a general practitioner, they give you medication. You go to see a psychiatrist, they want you to talk about the problem. Whatever your speciality is, that's the information you're going to get from that person. So if you see a vast array of people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, you're going to get so many different um, other experiences from them, but they're going to ask you different questions. And I think mm. that's really important that people ask you different questions because that gets your brain thinking in a different way. And, and that leads me on to, to one of the other key things that we need to do. Uh, and sort of two parts to it. One is you don't have to just ask one person. Get different inputs to a challenge. And two, you don't have to do what you're told. Yeah. You are looking for opinion, you're looking for guidance, you're looking for advice. You're not looking for the solution because the people that help you the people and, and look help and support comes in lots of different ways and i'm talking about just one of them because it can just be moral support for example but we're talking about advice and guidance the person who gives you that advice and guidance isn't the person who's going to feel the ramifications whether it goes right or whether it goes wrong that's you so you have to take responsibility for the actions you take yeah. you commit to listening you commit to taking everyone seriously and I recommend you commit to listening with no preconceptions. So when we mastermind, people are not allowed to dismiss an, a, an idea when it's presented. You have to listen and take it on board. Nothing's off the table. But ultimately, you're the one who takes responsibility for the actions you commit to. That is a, a huge thing as well, because it's all right asking for help. But then, as you say, don't necessarily look for a solution. Look for guidance. Look yeah. for, but also, as you say, that's huge responsibility. When you go and ask someone for help, you've got to take the responsibility to take that action yourself, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. I, I, otherwise, and, and here's a big thing for me. If, if I ask you for help, Yes. Let's say, let's say it's advice and guidance. I ask you for advice and guidance. You give it and I ignore it completely. That's disrespecting you. If I ask you for advice and guidance, you give it, I weigh it up, I assess it, and I feel, well, that's really useful, but it's not right for me. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. But you need to respect the, the guidance and advice you're given and the people who give it to you. Yeah, so it's almost like we have to learn about how to ask for help. Yeah. Really, isn't it? They should teach this stuff in school. <laughs> I remember when I was at school, I was very lucky. I went to school where one of, uh, I'll show my age now, one of the O-levels that I took um, <laughs> was um, uh, economic and public affairs, yeah. which was economics and politics. But in that we learned, show my age again what happens with a check when you write it um how democracy works what happens with voting and, and all these simple things and i was like why is this not on you know we didn't have a national curriculum then but why isn't this like maths and english uh, a compulsory topic yeah. for everyone mm -hmm. uh, and yeah these life skills so those were those are life skills as well yeah. and what you're talking about is a life skill yeah. there should be life skills taught in school and i think school schooling in that sense is a lot better than it was you know when i went but at the same time um we we focus i think far too much on um skills that we don't 
ever ever sort of use in in in, in our adult life um they might help us in problem solving and, and, and areas like that but we don't teach the basics no no we definitely don't i totally agree and that's where it's down to the likes of us and the likes of you yeah. that's why what we do is so important and you know even me and baz say if we can help one person a day one yeah then we've done our job do you know what i mean without a shadow of a doubt um and i think today we've helped a lot of people definitely i hope so yeah, we're getting comments in um, from Pam said, um, I've never thought it, about it like that when you was talking about being a burden and, mm -hmm. that, you know, well, when you've asked someone for help before, they've actually got pleasure out of it, so you're denying yeah. the pleasure. Um, Emma says, thanks for today's conversation. It's really interesting. Um, Pam says, I think it's important that we don't see getting things wrong or making mistakes as a failure, which, you know, we've touched yeah. on massively today, definitely. Yeah. I think it's a great way we should embrace failure and celebrate people's failures more than sort of go in the corner and put the the hat on your head and turn and face the wall yeah. and make a mistake. Yeah. What did you learn from it? Someone says, I failed. Well, what did you learn from it? Yeah. That's, you know, the that, that's the great question. And to your point about helping one person every day, I often get asked what's the most rewarding thing about what I do or why do I do what I do? And it's when someone turns around and, and tells me the impact um, of whatever I've said. You know, I, I delivered a talk based on Just Ask in, in um, November. And a couple of days later, one of the audience members tagged me in a post on LinkedIn. And in the post was a, a, a picture of a vase of flowers and a card. And she said, because of that talk, I, I reached out to my friends and I told them what I'd been struggling with and hadn't shared with them. And someone's just sent me um, the, these flowers and this card to say that I'm valued. Yeah. You know, that meant everything to right me, then. you know, yeah. and uh, it, it's it's those moments. And so that goes to the pleasure of helping other people. Absolutely. Um, so if you, you put yourself out there, I mean, we've talked a lot about asking for help. We've touched on offering help. But that is the other side of the coin. Um, and we have, you know, I talked about how I wasn't picking up the nuances in text messages this week. Um, little things like that. We, we need to be there for people. And, you know, I got a phone call from someone close to me in my network, um, literally at lunchtime on Friday. Um, I had 20 minutes to eat my lunch. I was going on an all afternoon board meeting call and she called me in distress. I gave her 15 of those 20 minutes because you know it's important to be there when, when people need it um and and you know you have to manage your own emotions if, if you do that too much yes um but but be there for people and, and recognize the opportunity to help others yeah i love it that's just brilliant yeah. thank you so much you know um guys i really hope that you've taken a lot away from this today it's been eye-opening for me and i've had a few goosebump moments when you've been talking <laughs> definitely <laughs> i think it's so important that we we heed this if, if we are struggling guys if there's anything you're struggling with ask for help don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed don't be i think you're going to be a burden to somebody just say look i need some help guys and take andy's advice here because it's going to help you it's going to help them as well this is so, such an important subject even if, you know, you reach out to someone and just type the word help and they'll probably come back and say, 
what's up and then you can go into the how they can help you and what you're dealing with as, as you said you know be you know specific make it easy for them to help you definitely and, and don't bottle things up that's the most dangerous thing you can do and going back to something we said earlier pick up the phone uh, don't rely on texts um because the nuance is all lost and, and and if you feel people aren't picking up that nuance you know both those people were really honest with me and okay it was a punch in the gut both times yeah. um but uh, you know i had to look at how i responded and, and i think that's that's the healthy way of doing it yeah. absolutely i totally agree with you andy thank you so much for coming my pleasure it's been amazing and the guys here are saying thank you so much um emma says i love helping others but struggle with asking for help your pointers have really helped today so thank you very much Good. really pleased thanks emma andy i know that obviously you know when we came on and this is just the kind of guy that andy is he said you know i want to talk about why the topic is so important and you know we have talked about that but i'd really love you to tell us where the guys can find out more about you yeah. obviously i mean i can't wait to read the book you know i really want to read yeah. it i really do um because i think it's going to be wonderful for a lot of people so where can they find out more about you andy so, so what's happening with the book is the um as i mentioned i've, I've got to make a decision on publishers i do have a publishing contract but they haven't been very behind the book to date um so if it, if i go ahead with them or with another mainstream publisher this is a mainstream publisher it will be next year now because they have very long lead times um there are a couple of other options that would bring it out more quickly but would limit distribution so i have to weigh those up um but for that if you follow me on amazon um i have an author page on amazon so my books all appear on there um uh, with a surname like mine, as long as you can spell it, you can find me. Uh, it's L-O-P-A-T-A. My website is uh, andylopata.com or just lopata.co.uk, whichever you prefer. Take you to the same place. And there's lots of resources on there. Uh, if you go to the website, there's a three weekly newsletter you can sign up at the, the on the homepage at the bottom there tips and ideas i've currently i'm running an a to z of mentoring masterminding and asking for help uh, and we're on the letter e in the next newsletter and there's always a bit of fun in there as well um uh twitter andy lapata uh, facebook.com slash networking strategy um linkedin uh, you can follow me just search my name and just follow um and there's a i post a lot of videos and blogs on linkedin youtube uh, you know, Instagram with a name like mine, I'm easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> you will find him definitely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Andy, uh, today. It's been amazing. And what a way to kick off a Monday morning. Definitely. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of the week. We are going to leave um, Facebook and um, we're going to go and have a little after party as we normally do. <laughs> and um, guys, have a fantastic day. Don't forget ask for help you're not a burden you're not weak and don't assume that that person can't help you 100%. so guys we'll see you later have a good day thanks for listening into this episode of the fit mind project if you found this useful please support us on itunes and spotify rate and review us it helps us so much you can also find us on facebook at rock solid healthy this is what we're all about we're all about growing this community as big as we possibly can so we can help as many people as we can to be happy and healthy. Hey, hey.